Welcome to From the Rooftops. This time, special crossover edition where we're including Clay. And Earth's Mightiest Hero, Talon. Hey, I got you. That, that actually is, like, way nicer than I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought, I thought we were being extra corny today. What? what, what? Yeah, I, nothing with you could be corny, dude. You're too cool. Sorry. Oh, man, you're... you're... Don't lie to these people. You're a goddamn anyway. real-world superhero, and you can deal with it. All right, yeah. so we uh, we both recently, and because of the magic of time and the internet, you're not actually going to hear this until well after it's relevant in an immediate sense, which is good, because we want our takes to be well-cooled and well-aged. Uh, we've both recently seen The Defenders. Yeah, it was uh, okay. More okay than the previous showing, which is a good thing. Mm. Yeah, it was... <laughs> The average of the sum of its parts. <laughs> yeah. And talking about parts and coming together and assembling or uniting or whatever. Coagulating. Coagulating. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about all-star teams to, to lay down some rules here, similar to when we discuss families. An all-star team is not, say, the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or the Doom Patrol. This is a bunch of characters who have their own stories or shows or books or games or are supporting characters and someone else's who come together to form a team. This is the Avengers, the Justice League, the Outsiders, um, uh, the Midnight Suns, um, the Defenders, obviously, and also the movie Defenders because those are two different things, the Champions and the Warriors yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, it, it's it's super teams made up of people who have their own super stuff. And it's it's kind of the, like, big thing, right? Because that's the whole point of having a shared universe is everyone can get together. And a little crossover here, a little team up there, that's fine. But no, here's all your favorite guys in one book together. Buy this. Give us your money. <laughs> and and usually it is all your favorite guys. Right. There's a bunch of other guys you don't care. There's your friend's favorite guys and your enemy's favorite guys all together. Yep. No women, but anyway. <laughs> we yeah, have a girl in this there's, one. There's a couple of them. There's the homies and the homettes. Yep. Yep. Now, um, for for the context of this kind of thing, this ties back into where we were discussing with problems with power level, science versus magic, and the natural. These are effectively all components of a meta genre. The, the super team is explicitly trying to pull together groups of characters who do not necessarily go together all the time on their yeah, own. Yeah, and it's funny because so, this is a weird part, right? Because a lot of these teams, I think they're assembled <laughs> in ways that are kind of haphazard because either it's an almost entirely like brand consideration mm. where like you have the uh, like the post-90s JLA where it's like, no, I just want all the cool ones. Get all these other weirdos out and I just want all the cool ones, you know? Or the original Avengers where it's like, here's all these guys we don't know what to do with. Let's throw them in a book, you know? And it, I never get the sense, even though they're written that way, I never get the sense that these teams are assembled, A, by the writers with, like, a brander, you know, broader brand consideration, or B, by the characters with mm -hmm. a very specific, this is what we need on a team consideration, you know? Yeah. Very, very rarely are these things handled cleanly or thoughtfully there's almost always when you speak about the meta level of comics getting made some degree of either a marketing or brand consideration and then sometimes 
really weird, petty, internal oh, yeah. uh, arguments. You know, some some writers taking over, especially because these big these big groupings uh, tend to be handled by groups of writers over time. Writers will often come in to do one or two issues or one short arc of this group book, and then they'll drop back to focusing right. on the part of that. And it's group also, you know, you come on and you bring your favorite guy in, you want to push him, which is not a bad thing. Especially if you're pushing someone who needs a push. But at the same time, if you're like, yo, I really love Spider-Man, so now he's on the Avengers. He didn't need help. You know? <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this has as its... One of, the, one of the recurrent jokes we've used in pretty much everywhere about this is Wolverine during the late 90s. Wolverine brought everyone a dash of edgy that means that there was a period where Wolverine was on, I think, yeah. four different teams. And what's funny, I think at, at that once. moment they were all X teams. You know, during the 90s, they were all X teams. It wasn't. It actually went down a bit yeah. once he joined the Avengers. So, like, he was on maybe three at that time. Or he at least had three books, I think. But once he hit the big time, then it was like, alright, I'm done. Even though he was everywhere, apparently you're not a big deal until you're on the Avengers. And, uh. <laughs> you with me, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there. It's funny because you have this the whole A-list thing, right? Wolverine was one of the most popular characters. And then he sort of gets in the A-list team right around the time his star is starting to fall. Somewhat mm-hmm. intentionally by the company. Yeah. And that's the whole A-list versus B-list thing. And it's also like sub-teams. Because like, the Defenders is a all-star team, but by the very nature of the progress... I guess I should stop for a moment and talk about defenders because that word will create mm. a lot of confusion all um, right yeah so let's 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 do a, a a micro history lesson hey clay who are the defenders um dr strange the hulk the silver surfer uh nighthawk occasionally moon knight uh occasionally moon knight there we have again <laughs> mark it off on your bingo cards kids uh, or, uh, i don't think it was occasionally i think it was just for a little while there but yeah it's just a bunch of weirdos. Angel was on the Defenders, Spider-Woman. Originally, it was just those other guys. Uh, Hellcat was on the team for a while there. It's... And that branding is confusing. Because they had a line of books called Marvel Knights. And it was mostly their street level or quote, quote, dark heroes. But it was like, not Max. You know, it wasn't Marvel Max. It was just... He's all the street level yep. guys, and they called it Marvel Knights, and that's a perfectly good name, Marvel Knights. They put it on the merchandise that's not that doesn't have an actor's face on it, but for some reason now Defenders is the thing to talk about, and so I'll be yeah. like, you know, we'll read Defenders. Oh, well, maybe not because you can't because it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Now, further complicating this is that Marvel did have another. Uh, sorry, Ma- Marvel effectively has now two streams of things with the same name that are aimed at completely different audiences that have almost nothing in common with one another on a functional level. You have the Defenders, which really, like, the iconic The Defenders comic cover has got the Hulk and the Silver Surfer. Right. And, and that's a very different beast to what they're currently selling as The well, Defenders. They, uh, I don't think at this point now they're ever going to republish those defenders like there's a defenders book out right now that's you know the netflix team 
So that's it now. And but what that is yeah. is the street level heroes, and that's cool. That's I've talked about like family and tribe, and I love that kind of sub like B list star team of character tribe coming together. Yeah, because a like one of the good functions like the superhero A team is supposed to a you know put all your favorites in the same box, but b give anybody who wants a window into the greater universe, right? And, you know, you have your Avengers, your Justice League, and they sort of are an umbrella thing. But there's more subtle gradations of flavor on the side. So the Defenders, as a representation of the street-level heroes, is fantastic. Outsiders did something similar. Uh, Outlaws, Red Hood and the Outlaws kind of does that now, mm, to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, Champions was another book back in the day. Uh, not the champions that's out now again, <laughs> but the original champions, which was Hercules, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, Angel, Iceman, and I think that's everybody. And there was just another like Marvel had this habit of just throwing a bunch of dudes on a team back in the day with not a very clear statement of purpose. It's just like, well, we got these ones. That's a team now. Yeah, and in some cases, these team formations were as much a matter of like giving writers a sort of <laughs> pacification so there are some teams which if you go back and you look at their comics you go really why um this is this is a problem you'd also see if you go back to the earlier um some of the some of the early points where they mess with the oh, justice yeah, like league structural the 80s and but 90s where, era when they were trying when they had <laughs> yeah yeah they had and and sometimes sometimes this was a this was especially awkward because this was being used as a chance to uh, we're going to relaunch this comic and we're going to create a bunch of new characters to be in it. And that didn't work at all. That's where we got such incredibly memorable characters as Vibe. Hey, man, Vibe's on TV now. <laughs> He's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm actually super, super glad that Vibe came out of this all right. And this is going to sound really <laughs> silly, but Vibe's really cute. Like, I'm really glad that someone in the casting department went, oh, no, no. People, people need to want to fuck Vibe. I, was, I think he's another Glee kid. Like, or actually, I think he's from Broadway. So yeah, um, Cisco Ramon, right, uh, is the character name. Uh, yeah, the the thing the thing with Vibe uh, when I was a kid and I got uh, a a very delayed um, Justice League comic was I had no idea that this was uh, like a part of a greater continuity of things. I thought this was like. Uh, it was really weird because the comic started off with uh, Plastic Man of all people shouting to a bunch of car- a bunch of the um, the assembled press saying, um, "You hear that? We're the new Justice League." And this is after I, I'm, I know Green Arrow had said, "Sorry, I can't help you," and left. Um, and a whole bunch of other characters left left the scene. Not not Green Arrow. Ah, God, it's been it has been a while since I've read this comic. But the point is that. There was there was this point where the comic very pointedly said, "Hey, we're a new group. We're assembling this group. Check us out. We're a thing you need to care about." And then it had to introduce a whole bunch of characters to fill out the roster, some of whom were really, really strange suggestions, including one guy who was, from all I could tell, just just a guy in power. Yeah, armor that had and a lot also of like. There's that franchising that happened, right? Because during that time, you had Justice League, Justice League of America, Justice League International, Justice League uh, Task Force, which I read a good little bit of. And, you know, Avengers yeah. does that now. You got Avengers, US Avengers, uh, AIM Avengers, or AI Avengers, I think it is. Uh, you have Mighty Avengers. Yep. And you have, uh, there's Uncanny. Yeah. There's- and this, by the way, th- this, 
by the way, uh, a Marvel, knock this shit off. Knock this the fuck off. Defenders, you know, names aside, is the right way to go with that, where you can have a bunch of teams if they have a more clearly defined purpose, and you get, and you have good names. You got Warriors, Champions, Runaways, uh, Night Stalkers, Defenders. Run, uh, Runaways is such a good name. That's the thing. I don't know why, I mean, I know why, but the, the idea of Young Avengers as they're like, here's our teen superhero book instead of Runaways as this, here's where our teen heroes go. I, yeah, that that one's especially weird because in universe the Avengers are a bunch of adults with a lot of money, and therefore they're like connected to a whole bunch of infrastructure. And just the idea of Tony Stark being like, "Yeah, we have a we we the people who just got into a whole fight about registering and all that. Uh, yeah, we we uh we have a thing now for kids uh, uh registering their details and putting themselves in harm's way for the public good. Like that's a nightmare." Legally, that's just such a nightmare. Right. What? Why is Tony on this side? Yeah, be, well, yeah, he's, he's dead he's, right now, but <laughs> he's <laughs> somewhat dead. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, sort of dead, deadish. Yeah. I'm sure Riri's buff that's how it goes, back right? together Time again. Time next movie, but fucking that's the thing. They have a great like assemblage of names, and the idea that that's the other thing too. I remember discussing with friends about how teams, you know, teams teams would form, and like they would not. If they're actually trying to fix the world, they most likely wouldn't want official, like, clearance. Because, like, fuck you, old man. We're going to do things our way. And they'd be the runaways, you know? Yeah. Or you could go with the tearaways. Because one of the other things with the runaways is that name connects them to a really good concept. Just, like, one of one of the best concepts you can do in a, in a superhero universe. And, curiously... This brings me to what I was going to mention about one of my favorite um, all-star teams. Except it's not an all-star team, it's a bunch of losers. But they are <laughs> known losers. That's which is the Suicide interesting Squad. interesting too, because that's, you know, that's not an all-star team in the way we're framing it, but it also gives you a unique insight to a subset of the universe. It ha- lets you know what the villains are doing. It's kind of like uh, Superior Foes, which I still haven't yeah. read, but I've heard really good things about, which... Yeah, the, the, the Sinister Six aren't on the same level as this stuff because, like, the Sinister Six yeah. have that Punisher problem that they basically live in a van and hate Spider-Man, uh, whereas the story of um, the the story you have going on in the Suicide Squad is you have this cast of characters who are in some way known and knowable and it's worth knowing. Like, they are, they are important characters. They matter. Um, like, they matter enough to get thrown away, which is the funny thing, but there is an actual character there. There is a renown to their existence. And that's the thing with a lot of these all-star teams that really underpins what they're meant to be doing. They're, if you're on an all-star right. team, it's meant to be because you can pull attention, not because you can make a good story. And that's why we have some really weird... Like, remember that time that the, that She-Hulk... And Spider-Man were members of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and that's not even that's not counting that one joke issue where it was it was that one joke miniseries where it was Spider-Man, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and yeah, um, was it the Hulk? Who was it? No, but they they, they, they did a similar joke in Exiles right. where there was an entire team made of Wolverines. <laughs> Countdown to Infinite Wolverine. Now that that's yeah, that's that's an that's a different kind of thing. That's a different joke, but it's still the same 
fundamental idea that characters have audiences and they bring attention and that means that an all-star series is about trying to bring that attention together rather than trying to necessarily structure a good story well so what we're saying is that when these things are good they're often good accidentally and that means it's more important to hold them up and say yeah this do this please do more of this right and it's also kind of a side thing where there needs to be a weird there needs to be a balance right because on the one hand you want to promote certain subsets of your universe you know regardless of the writing you want to push x or y because that's better for your universe as a whole but on the other side you don't want to you want to have you know sensible writing so you can have a team that forms because it makes sense in the writing but then you also want to say well okay that's cool and all but you also need these ones in (laughs) yeah like and and you need a and um this is this is one of the reasons why young justice as much as i love it young justice is not an all-star story those characters have nothing going on outside of being members of young Justice. right because there's no established friend we're talking about the show and not the original comics but there's no the original comics yeah the original let's just assume (laughs) for now that whenever I'm talking about comics, I'm not bringing up anything that means we're going to have to discuss Matter Eater Lad. Oh, why are you, why are you, right? why are you going to do that to the, to the Legion of Superheroes, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid name. That show was good, though. They have a really good show. Uh, yeah, but the name is incredibly stupid. What's wrong with a Legion of Things? Legions are cool. No. <laughs> are there a thousand of them? Maybe. I mean, they got motherfuckers like and that. How many of them, and how many of them are Matter Eater Lad? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you get the Legion of Jamie Madrox. Anyway. Um, boy and shit. Uh, comics are weird, people. Comics are really weird. But yeah, like, because there was no established framework for that show of, here's the Robin show, here's the Aqualad show, here's the Speedy show. They just threw a match it. <laughs> this this speedy show ah oh, that there, there goes there goes uh the flash's psychic speedy no 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 that i i love that about that show so much in the first episode they're dunking on their own stupid I, naming I, convention you know what i would have been mean i'd be like why do they call him speedy <laughs> why you ask <laughs> <laughs> you would have you would have done that in front of Speedy, and he would have given you the hurtest look, and you wouldn't care. Yeah, I do drugs. <laughs> it's just, yep. Uh, that's terrible. But yeah, the 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 entire premise of um of these things. So 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 this is the thing. Yeah, to to qualify as a super team, as an all star team, you need to have a team that is made up of people who have their other stuff going on, and that means that the nature of these stories tend to be short narratives because if it's a long-term thing someone needs to spend a long time working on it but the all-star crossover hey everyone needs to come together for this one thing that tends to be effectively an emergency or something of an emergency scale until and that's the thing that's the other thing too is when they these teams are always formed in that context but then they go on to be a regular thing they get a base and facilities and it's yeah weird because Again, that's why I say that's writing, right? Oh, we got together to solve this problem, and maybe we should do this again. But at that point, like, I can see Captain America have come to that conclusion, 
like when a vet like that happens, the first time it happens, and then go, okay, but all of you don't need to come back. I'm going to assemble a team. <laughs> I'm going to think about this. I'm going to sit down and write a list. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna plan ahead, and we're gonna get people who aren't volatile yeah. knuckleheads, and also not not to be rude, Bruce, but we're gonna try and minimize the amount right. of Hulks. And also, uh, there's five of us. Three of us are science scientists, and that's cool and all, but none of us are magicians. None of us are wizards. And we need at least one of those, you know? And yep. none of us are from space. Yep. So, okay, you know? And you can and you can look at how very few of these things really value coordination, like the ability to organize a group of people as yeah. a thing. Because that is, that is legitimately a goddamn <laughs> superpower. Like, look at how hard it is for people these days to actually do it. And we've got, like, you know, we're not, we're not trying to herd superhumans who can set the world on fire. We're just trying to herd. Humans. Yeah, but, and it's, I would, that, again, that's part of the weird franchising thing. Well, they'll just assemble a team and then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, this team kind of went away. And they went a weird direction. So now we need to make another version of Avengers that's more mainstream. Or this, that, and the third. And with the Justice League. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and then you get to that horrible thing that is branding. Because that that's really what a lot of these super crossover events of like, oh, we managed to defeat the Super Scrolls. Man, we should do this again sometime. I really like working with you. Usually that is quietly under the hood looking around going, is anyone going to buy that comic? Would you buy that comic? And the weird thing is the impact it has on like the writing of the characters because, okay, Batman's on the Justice League. Superman's on the Justice League, right? But yep. they've also got one to two monthly books. All right. Yep. So when are they doing Justice League things? How much of their time is Justice League stuff and how much of their time is solo stuff? Yeah. Now, you could go the Frank Miller route and claim that that's because Batman never sleeps and Superman doesn't ever do anything hard. Right. So I, I would never go the Frank Miller route. I mean, my assumption has always been that Justice League is his weekend job, right? And so. It's a side hustle. Part- Right. <laughs> well, part, of, part of the whole thing about that, though, is how much time do you write those storylines out, right? Because they're going concurrently, right? A six month, yeah. six month Justice League time is six months Batman, you know, or Detective Comics time. So, what, not just the, that, that's a general comics are stupid and weird thing, but it's also a, like, a fan engagement thing, right? Because how much of fair, my... Marvel is actually pretty decent about this these days because their whole thing is, when did that happen? A couple of months ago. That's like the what universal happened? response to whenever you want a hard time frame for whenever anything happened. It's always a couple of months ago. I just mean just in terms of, as a reader or as a viewer or as a player or whatever, my investment, what, how much of stuff is going on for me right now in this time frame? And how invested I would I be? That's one of the good things. I'll grumble about the movies and overpresence of television and shit. But one of the best things about that is it's creating this framework, right? Where Avengers only happens once every couple of years. Like, we're to assume they're doing Avengers stuff, but we only have an yeah. Avengers storyline in between five other solo storylines. And that- Now, this is something that, uh, that, that weirdly, Spider-Man Homecoming, the movie, touched on. Where they pointed out that from, from Spider-Man, from, like, Peter Parker's perspective in that movie, Iron Man has almost always been around. Mm. Like, as Iron Man happened when he was a kid. Yeah. And if, if we were to, like, relaunch that whole thing, I would definitely make a dynamic where, instead of, like, if we're talking books, instead of six books a month, you know, six, uh, 12 books a year of 
Avengers stories, I'd probably only put four, make them double or triple size, but this is, if you want to read, oh, how do I get into Marvel Comics? There's an Avengers book, comes out quarterly. You know, you pick mm. that up, and you can get sort of a top-down view of things. Not only would you have more space in writing like that to tell stories and have everybody do something instead of trying to cram nine characters into 20 pages, you have yep. more, you're, you can tell more self-contained self-contained story that way their solo adventures can work better it's similar to how they did the uh justice league animated series where batman had his show and then it ended and then superman had his show and then it ended and then they did justice league yeah like we assumed he was batmaning off screen but we never had to see it (laughs) yeah i mean we could talk at length about you know things that they could be doing to make the whole business more approachable i i uh I watched that video you suggested, the one by uh, Aaron, Professor yeah. Boggy. Uh, I think that it's a really good idea. I, I definitely agree uh, with you that uh, I would like to see that happen. But that's that's more of your uh, specific market-driven, individualistic, this is how we would solve that problem kind of thing. Whereas uh, what we're talking about here is much more about just, like, storytelling stuff. Yeah. And if a character doesn't get any time to downtime, what does it mean that they sometimes are an yeah. Avenger? Like, if the Avengers are an always thing, then how is it not a full-time job? There's, there's billionaires involved in it. They, like We pick on them a lot, but it's the Hawkeye situation. Hawkeye is almost... In fact, it's most of the main Avengers situation where they're, a lot of them are defined mm. by being Avengers, right? And Martian Manhunter yeah. has this problem. Like, that's, that, that's the Vision's right. thing. Yeah, Martian Manhunter has that problem. He almost never has a solo book. Yeah. He's defined as being a Justice League member. And that kind of takes away from them. But, you know, we have thousands of Batman stories and Wonder Woman stories and Aquaman stories and, ju- and uh, Superman stories. How many good Martian Manhunter stories are there? Just him doing his thing. Weirdly, I was going to say the same thing about the Vision, but apparently uh, last year someone went and wrote an amazing yeah. Vision series. Yeah, how long did that take? <laughs> <laughs> same with years? Hawkeye. His Hawkeye book is pretty good. It took forever, you know? For somebody to be like, oh, wait, he's but, not a big-time superhero. He's a street-level character. Let's tell street-level stories with him. Now, on that note, that's actually part of the part of the secret value of these big crossovers when you have when you have them big enough that there are some characters who are definitely doing their own thing. So, like, Batman and Superman kind of in the Justice League. Right, great, cool. That is awesome. They can totally do that. You might not have a good Hawk... Hawk uh, sorry, Hawk woman... Or Hawk by Hawk, Hawk, Hawk Man? Oh, <laughs> Hawker. You might not have a good Hawker media um, story in you every quarter. So you can just if if they're if they're an Avenger, what you can do is you can dedicate like some of the slots of that uh, of that you know peripheral material for the Avengers to a secondary character or a tertiary character and say, hey, yeah, we've got one good story for this because that means you get to avoid this problem you have right now. Where Marvel's doing this, where they, they're like introducing a character, they're gonna, we're, we're launching a brand new story for this new character, and now we're canceling it. Like, did you really need to cancel no. it? You could just end it. Like, why is the expectation that it was gonna last forever? And the expectation it was gonna last forever comes from comics are weird, but the premise is still there. Oh, yeah, and that's the same thing with like television and movies and stuff. Like, I'm not sure if some of these shows need, like, Jessica Jones. I don't know where they're going to go with her from now on as a solo character. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, they they could they could have her following along with um someone else doing yeah. an interesting story who actually Yeah, like hell, uh, like uh, Patsy. 
if they just segued, like, okay, we did Jessica Jones, now we're doing a Hellcat story, that'd be fantastic. Damon Hellstrom could show up and make everything weird. Because <laughs> that's not the Hellcat anyone wants yeah. but me. I mean, I... <laughs> now, look, I'm I'm already not really here for Jessica Jones. Um, in general, like, I tuned out of the series pretty fast because it was a bit rough for me, but that's, but that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to be for me. But... In the Defenders, the TV series, she was kind of the worst kind of character for me in a superhero story. In that she's the one who sits around going, uh, "You call yourselves superheroes? Uh, uh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be involved in this. This sucks." And I hate. Like, I get that some people really like that character, but that always feels to me like you are writing a superhero story for someone who does not like or care about superheroes, and that. It feels like a waste, and it feels a lot like the the black X-Men costumes back in the old uh, 90s movie. That sort of like, <laughs> well, it's not like we go out there looking <laughs> silly or anything. I've got some fucking... I've got some thoughts you're not going to like about those costumes one day. But that's... I think part of the problem with that yeah, yeah, in her yeah. presence it's is... fine. <laughs> she's one of those things that's there to sort of set up defenders. And much the way that... Um, Iron Fist, and to a certain degree, season two of Daredevil were just there to set up defenders. Like they're just, those were those were defenders yeah. narratives. Like absolutely, she, part of her story was to set up Luke Cage and then to go off and do her own thing. Like that's which again wasn't what yeah. she was in the comics. She was really uh, a view of a, sub, a section of the universe you don't normally see, and that was cool. It's just weird to follow that. Mm-hmm. Like I said. Like I said in my review of Daredevil Season 2, um, Daredevil Season 1 was a story that knew what it was about. It knew it had something to say. It had an idea. Iron Fist and um, Daredevil Season 2 def- definitely yeah. just had things they had to get done. They were bookkeeping. They were filling in something. Now, in Daredevil Season 2, that one of the things they had to fill in was the presence of the Punisher. And by all accounts... People seem to like that guy a lot. He, he, he has done a good job of being the Punisher. Um, but when you have stuff like just, we are going to, you know, they, they made the hand boring. And that was because they had to get the hand out there, but they couldn't do a lot with the hand. They couldn't talk about the fact that they're an immortal ninja death cult because that would crimp into stuff they needed for the defenders. And there there is the fundamental structural problem of when you use these teams as an end, as opposed to using characters who already yeah, have their own and thing going on. Again, that's the middle ground. I feel like for some of these teams, the ideal setup would be about fifty percent big names to sell your book, and fifty percent things you're trying to push to elevate. You know, so that way, a you don't have yeah. just all the most important people doing all the most important things, and you also don't have. It's like a guest verse. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's also, again, like, you want to grab two different audiences, and you don't want to completely, like, alienate your old audience, but you also don't want to alienate any potential new audience, so you you make a compromise. Yeah. And hopefully, if you're thinking properly, you'd avoid redundancies. Like, again, five scientists on one team, uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman being on the same team, The Flash and Superman being on the same team. The Flash, Superman, and Martian Manhunter all being on the same team. Because, like, all of y'all don't need to be there. Half of y'all do the same thing. Yeah. So, you could have any other guy doing any other new different thing. 
if we threw some of y'all out. This also creates the uh, Swiss Army Knife effect, where you can have a couple of characters who exist to do blunt, consistent, often crowd-pleasing stuff. Um, this is something, weirdly, Luke Cage is a perfect character for this. Because Luke Cage is a straightforward guy, his moral framework is really quite simple. Like, he, he, he deals with things that get complex, but he himself, you're not supposed to look at Luke Cage and go, hmm, which complex answer will he have for this complex solution? It's like, no, Luke Cage is a good guy. Luke Cage will do a good guy's yeah. thing. Um, and, and like, Luke is straightforward, and how he solves problems is straightforward. He will punch his way through things. He will break stuff. He will survive stuff. Great. He is your baseline. And now around him, you can put characters with oddball special abilities that he doesn't have. So you get... Um, and the Defenders use this well in, like, one scene, and sadly, they didn't use Jessica well for it, but they did use one scene where you have Matt Murdock in semi-Daredevil style using his super senses to know where the problems are going to come from so they can avoid them, and you have Danny hopping around and being mobile and agile and dealing with, with uh, the kinds of problems that Luke just doesn't have the attention to deal with as well. It, it's a really good kind of baseline for a character and in the comics you, you'll notice that the Iron Fist is the toy box of special things you can do when you punch someone while Luke is just punching someone real good yeah and it's also that weirdness of again why would Wolverine and Luke Cage be on the same team oh god because from a writing standpoint they contribute basically the same things right yeah uh, they, they won't die they'll hit the thing they're pretty blue collar and you know rough and they'll sit there and they'll smoke or they'll drink and they'll like Ugh. And they'll both react to women <laughs> in very similar ways. And, again, they bring the same thing to the table, and they're on the team because... And that, that's kind of what I'm talking about, where, like, when you get post-disassembled, right? He says, yeah. okay, Spider-Man, uh, Iron Man, uh, Captain America, Hulk, Wolverine, uh, Spider-Woman, because I like her, and Luke Cage, because I like her. That's what Bendis did. That's yeah. not a bad pick. Yeah. But Anything else. <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's some redundancy there. Yeah, and, and, and indeed, you can, you can often, like, I'm, I'm a big advocate for the idea that creati creativity gets driven harder by limitations. So when you mm. tell someone you have to have X, Y, and Z, you're going to get a more interesting assortment of options than if you just let them pick anything they like. Um, and that's, no, no that, that, that is a thing that results in uh, potentially interesting boundaries. And that means that what I like, like, if, still, if you, if you then handed me Bendis' list of these are the characters I like, come up with ways they interact with one another, I'm sure I could do it. I'm sure I'd even have fun doing it and imagining what kind of possible scenarios you wind up with. But it's not what they did. You didn't get that kind of weird off-the-wall mechanics between different characters and dynamics of people interacting and interfacing with each other in these really distinctly different ways. A lot of the characters he liked tended to agree with positions he liked. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is the size of teams. Because so, some of these teams get ridiculously huge, which is part of why they franchise. But regardless. Yeah. I feel like you got I believe that's why we have the Justice Society at one point. And mm -hmm. it's like a thousand people. Right. Like, it, honestly, it should be less than ten. I like seven. Five to seven is a good range. And if you want more, again, you can do something, an all-star team of different types of characters. You can have a street team. You can have a supernatural team. You can have a science adventure team. You definitely need a space team. And you can have an all-star team of these types of characters off to the side. Like a B-star team. 
Mm-hmm. And Eric, here's a here's one here's a writing tip for you. All right, um, if you're going to do this kind of organization, this kind of group character writing, you want an odd number of characters. Ah, I know exactly where you're going. Okay. Because in any given situation, if you have an odd number of characters, you cannot have a clean positive negative split on a vote. Some they're going to have to make a have, choice. Yeah, someone has to make a choice or conspicuously not be able to make a choice. Right. This means it's very hard for you to present certain things in the context of a story as being a simple black and white, one side is right, one side is wrong kind of thing. Don't get me wrong, you can absolutely do that if you want to. You can have, like, in a seven-person team, six people all looking at number one of them and going, dude, what the hell? No one likes Marmite. (laughs) But you don't have... but, But when you have seven people or five people or three people you have an automatic structure for a dynamic. You have the position for an argument that can go somewhere. Because if you have, let's say you have two people, A and B, if they don't agree on something, that's it. Like, neither has any more compelling reason to do the thing than the other does to stop them. So it stops. But if you have A, B, and C, suddenly A can try and convince C, and B can try and convince C. And even if they can't necessarily do it, you get more traction out of that interaction. Yeah. That's eh, definitely, and to a certain degree, that's also a good direction because then you can, if you want to, have a explicit leader in some ways because it's easier to have that with yeah. that one person who stands out. No, this is clearly the person who is above us in a certain way or can take the yeah. lead as opposed to things get a little too democratic. Yeah, well, the the, um, the the group dynamic numbers are actually kind of an interesting puzzle in and of themselves because if you have two people, that's a pair. That's your hawk and dove kind of thing. And you very, very rarely get team-ups that are two characters who have their own stories going on. The best one I can think of is Iron Fist and, and mm. Luke Cage, who I think right now actually do have both a separate comic and a together comic. And I think that's probably the only time that's happened. It Well, no, uh, no because it used to be Batman Superman. But now it's Trinity, so it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and they all have their own books and they're all on yeah. Justice League. Yeah, but I but I meant that like in the case of like now that's the closest pair, thing I can think of at the moment besides that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not it's not common. And in the case of Iron Fist and um uh, uh and um Luke Cage, like this is the only time I know of that they've had both a paired comic and oh yeah, because the original comic. thing was oh both not... of our comics are getting canceled, and smush them together. Yeah. Give, give us yeah, somewhere to be. But it, which is, again, um, another good, uh, a good thing for these teams is you can give characters whose stories really need closure an avenue for that. You know, yep. if you're... The other thing is that some characters just don't have that much story for them. They just don't have anywhere to go, necessarily. <laughs> In which case, yeah, go for it. Give them, give them some extra space. Take, you know, make, make their big plot a B-plot in something else, and you've given them enough room... And also not wasted all the work you're right. getting them. So you have a pair. The next you have is a trinity, where you can have two people who disagree and a third person who is either mediating or listening to both of them. When you get to four, it's a little trickier because at four you've got the you, you've got the basically the teenage mutant ninja turtles thing going on. For a group dynamic of four, you usually want like all four of them to have distinct personalities that all disagree on. Uh, a, a set of different things. You want them to agree on about half stuff and disagree on about half stuff. And that can all get a little too tidy. Um, it usually works best when you have, in, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you have a character who can effectively pull yeah. rank. 
uh, Leonardo is the leader, so they all have to do what Leonardo does choose in the end. And that leads to tension between him and Raphael, and the others necessarily not agreeing or disagreeing that that's a good thing or not. So that that's one way to do it. But when you get to five, that's that's where things start getting interesting because then you have, you know, A and B disagree, but they can pull in one person each, and now you have a second take on the same argument, and then there's another person who could side with either side or come up with a third option, and you have this fluidity. So five is a really good number for this kind of crossover kind right. of gathering. And I think the other it. weird thing about that is how different characters will be because these are all characters who are main characters of their own story right and so you have these main character personalities sort of clashing and they start to change not just because these are different writers taking place but that's a big deal but also because the role a character has to play in their own narrative is wildly different than what they'll do in a team situation it's why you get you know a a solo batman story is really grounded usually and you know it's crime but then you get Justice League and suddenly he's fucking super James Bond because what do we do with him in this team scenario? Yeah. And now, related to that as well, the the fact that these characters are being written by different people, often that means that those people care more about getting the character right as they have been depicted in this crossover, in this coagulated story, than they do care about getting them right to their greater absolute narrative. Which makes sense. I mean... You know, you've got to finish the work that gets put in front of you. You can't say, well, you know, I need to go and spend six months researching every other comic that's featured right. this character. It's just too much of a task. And what that means is you wind up with this situation that Batman is a really good example for. Batman in the Justice League is dealing with a lot of people who have no <laughs> idea he's Bruce Wayne. Not all of them, but a lot of them. A lot of them know him as Batman. And that means that the Batman that you see in, like, Justice League and, and to a lesser extent, Young Justice and stuff like that is is Batman. He is Bruce Wayne on all the time. Yeah. No no relaxing, no coffee cup, no nothing. Just It's on. kind of like the ways that certain writers will humanize, you know, Captain America in a Captain America book. And then you put him over there in Avengers and he's just this font of wisdom and the guy who gives orders. Because... I'm Captain America right now. I'm the boss. I'm the leader in this scenario. I'm not a guy having his own adventure. And, but it's weird when that clash happens with characters yeah. akin of different like popularity levels where everyone comes to the picture like, I'm a main character. Yeah. Are you, sir? Are you really Ant-Man? Are you a main <laughs> character? Should you be talking to me, Captain America, like you're a main character? I know you got a book, but... Mm. And that's that A list versus B list versus Z list in an out of universe thing, right? Yeah, I mean, Ant Man is an Ant Man's an especially weird one. The movies handle this really well. Um, Ant Man's an especially weird one because if you actually look at like the grand scale of things, the thing that Ant Man is connected to is probably the most important like science thing that could possibly exist. Like Ant Man is dealing with a whole level of of actual high-level, real-world applications and ramifications science that is mind-blowingly important. But the character attached to them is is Ant-Man. And he's great. Well, I like we, Ant-Man, but... We've got to break down the Ant-Man... Ant-Men's... Yeah, good point. Because I feel like... I'm probably one of the few people in the world who feels like this, but I feel like not using Hank Pym was a missed opportunity because he's way more interesting as, like a mad scientist who really doesn't want to be a mad scientist. Like, he just wants to do good, 
But like he just keep, can't help fucking up and doing it. all this he crazy can't keep shit. Keep it invent really hinky shit. He made Ultron. Yeah, he made fucking Ultron. And yeah, they didn't do that. But it would have been. It's way more interesting to have him in that role. That's one of the things why I like the presence of dedicated. I am a scientist. I don't just have science powers. I am a scientist. Characters on these teams because that adds a new dynamic. One of the things I loved about the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, and everybody should watch that was Ant-Man did not want to be a superhero. Hank Pym wanted to be a scientist, and he was using his science to help the world, and they kept, ended up having to punch shit. And eventually he left. He was sick of it. He's like, no, I'm a scientist. I make things. I help people. We just keep punching aliens. Fuck this. But uh, Janet Van Dyne was like, but I love being a superhero, man. Quit being a bitch. And <laughs> they broke up over that. Yeah. And he slowly went crazy as the story goes, and ended up making Ultron as the story goes. <laughs> But now, it was really interesting. In the in the context of the movies, though, I really quite like that Ant Man is uh is dis- is distinctly not Hank Pym. Yeah, he's um uh, Scott Lang, which Scott Lang's all right. It's just I felt like that was the least interesting Ant Man because he's just a it, science. He's just a a guy. He's yeah, just a dude. but but that's the thing. I didn't like in comics the nature of Ant Man's powers work really really well for bigger stories. This sounds really silly, but but bear with me here, right? Ant-Man has powers that are good for infiltration, they're good for making an alien landscape out of something that you're very familiar with, and they're good for, you know, I need to explain how this works, but it does work, trust me on this one, kind of moments when you're talking about characters interacting and fighting when they're shrunk down to ant size. As a comic book, Ant-Man works well at filling a fairly long story and for that you want a character who's scientifically informed and literate and can come up with big clever solutions to a bunch of really weird problems in a movie everything's going to be much more compressed and visual spectacle becomes much more important oh yeah Ant man is amazing for visual spectacle in a movie and that means that we don't want a character who we have to unpack amongst other things feigned wife hitter hank pym well I'm not going to defend that. Me, I'm, I'm, yeah, that is that is that is also a memetic thing. That's like bat meme. Yeah, but it is still a thing. Yeah, no, I, I that is that thing because like the heist movie that was great. Like the aspect of it was really interesting. Mm. Just it would have been cool. I think to have it would have been cool because the thing at the end of the day he's not he's like a poor iron man in terms of how he interacts with people you know he talks a lot of shit he's a little nicer give him that like he's i would rather hang out with movie paul rudd hey and he's not a chris good for him but yeah well done <laughs> chris is on infinite earth right there's we got a we got a paul and we got a benedict so that's a thing uh. <laughs> anyway point point is that and, and look 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 at how far down this rabbit hole we've gone just because one character on one crossover or on one mega team yeah right ant-man and captain america are not they are not parking the same distance from the from the front of the office right <laughs> these characters are not on the same level in cultural cachet and general importance and and what kind of stories you can tell with them this isn't to say they're bad or anything it's just there is definitely a gap and that gap isn't power they're both like I, I can't readily think of a problem scale that is too big for one or the other of them. Like they are both mostly about the same level. Right. It's 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 a again it's a marketing branding thing, right? Because 
couple of years ago, these were all D-listers, right? Even though the fiction would treat them as a yeah. big deal. Hank Pym is a very important scientist. Captain America is the world's greatest soldier and biggest hero. All of them were D-list compared to Spider-Man, some jackass in Queens. You know? Because of the right, because of yeah. the branding and everything. And yet, for a long time, they had the good sense, sort of, to not put Spider-Man on any of these teams. Because that made the most narrative sense. That he would not be on those teams, just based on the nature of the yeah. character. That you had him cross over all the fucking time. He showed up in everybody's book, but he was never on anybody's team. Because that would, in certain ways, betray the nature of the character to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's also the sticky point of uh, identity crisis. Uh, are we speaking in a general term of the book itself? Okay. The book itself. And and I don't want to get into the I don't want to get deep into the weeds of identity crisis, but identity crisis is another example of it is an all star book, but it needed the JLA to exist already. Um, I'm not going to give a story synopsis of identity crisis because it's icky. Um, oh. but the basic premise. Uh, Go on. I guess uh, there was a pair of characters, uh, an elongated man and his wife Sue Dibley, and they were out. They were public heroes. Everybody knew who they were, and for a while they were, they were a member of the Justice League. Uh, comes out that something bad has happened in the past with these characters and the the thing was oh this happened because we know who they are that's the identity and identity crisis and, and that leads to something bad that happened that justice league did that they kept a secret and it goes on and on and on and it ends up getting much worse for two's dimity than never started out as and that's kind of as round as i can make it without getting into details yeah, and, and and that's that's the thing that that's um one thing that the the annoyingly that's one thing that the story can do, which is it brings together characters from different stories together and lets a lets a point of intersection with them be discussed. Now, as it happens, the bulk of the characters in the JLA had secret identities, so it's kind of not yeah. the same thing, but. You can also look to to use the uh, the Marvel TV series Defenders. You have one ex-con. You have a private detective in a business that is extremely poorly well off. You have a lawyer who can't help but take pro bono cases every opportunity he's got, which means he's probably a public defender and running on very little money in a really awful place. And then you have a billionaire. <laughs> There's that weird intersection, too. And that's part of the whole thing of the ever-growing, like, bat meme thing, where they have to continue... They have to adjust the character to how it makes sense in the setting, where usually used to be Batman was kind of wealthy. And part of that was he became the guy who funded the Justice League, so he got richer and richer and richer over time. And Danny Rand just starts out at the end of that without any of that stuff that gives us the willingness to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't get to meet Danny Rand. And also like, there's just the execution that Danny series is just kind of meh, which means that even if you are going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, there's not a lot there, there anyway, that, that, that's me complaining about Iron Fist, the series again, which we are clearly going <laughs> to do. No, I think the other, like we talk about the dynamics of these teams and the ways, that's one of the things where that team should also not just be a, a team up, but a established team, and they should have a function in the universe as a whole. Because I would much rather have all of the millionaires in these superhero universes finance the A-list team. Like, 
you know, Queen Consolidated, Wayne Tech, Cord Tech, um, whole, whatever his company is, uh, Mr. Terrific's company, instead of one of them, all of them put in. We're like, we all agree that it's important that this team exists and yeah. functions at a high level. Even if we're all doing other things, even if we're all on other teams, all of us think it's a good idea that the Avengers are there doing Avengers shit. There's, um, weirdly, uh, this is something that came up in a Tom Strong comic at one point. Tom Strong being Alan Moore. Um, <laughs> man, God, just, just going into that set of weeds is also its own thing. But, but Tom Strong at one point has a story where it's mentioned that Tom Strong's multi-million industries also finance a group of superheroes that he has nothing to do with and he has no authority over mm. and he can't control the money that relates to them. Because the entire point is they need to be able to do their jobs. And not worry right. about annoying And not only that, Tom just Strong. the idea that... And that's the weird thing, too, because you can have a character who's kind of C-list, like Mr. Terrific, and he can, in certain ways, be a bigger deal than a lot of A-list characters because he's so very rich. And the fact that there are these characters with this large level of power who don't intersect with the main team because they don't have good enough sales and that they don't have an opinion on that. Like, the the fact that there's mm. numerous Thor characters who are just like, yeah, okay, hell, half the shit the Guardians and Nova are out there in space doing, nothing to do with the Avengers, but you think they should have some kind of intersection. They should have at least something. Which I guess is part of what Carol Danvers is all about. She's that yeah. bridge. And, like, I guess, I guess in the end what we've really talked about this episode is as much us being quietly annoyed at the way people are handling this stuff <laughs> so i guess we should probably put our money where our mouth is right oh yeah <laughs> okay so do you okay. want to go first or you want me to set this up all right I, I, let, let's hear you set this up and let's hear you set out your rules because i have a suspicion there's going to be at least one rule we're going to have to uh hammer out okay. while we're here so go on what we were one of the things we talked about is establishing rosters for our teams and let's just do two big ones because if we don't if we get into too much fiddliness we'll be here all year but let's just say an avengers roster and a justice league roster right uh i don't want to hit two with too much rules actually because i want to hear you mm -hmm. go and i'm gonna just go but i feel like we should at least establish a number what is our number how many all right i'm gonna say five to seven no more yeah, than five I'm to seven. Yeah, I'm going to top out at seven myself, too. And Yeah, I think I'm only going to hit five, because I tend to prefer smaller groups, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, now, he, here's the other thing. The the dirty secret of this is that Clay is a lot more tuned into these characters than I am, so what you're going to hear from me is a lot of either really mainstream stuff or stuff that was mainstream, like, eight years ago. <laughs> okay, so let's... Uh... Do you want to just do the whole thing on one turn, or you want to go back and forth? No, no, let, 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 let's, let's go back and forth. Let's okay. start with you. Uh, actually, no, we should probably start with me, because yours is going to be the more interesting right, and well-thought-out one. so let's hear your Justice League off top. All right, so absolutely off the top, my only five-person Justice League. Let's start with controversial. Uh, I would put Batman <laughs> oh. in the Justice League. And I know that that's, that's controversial coming from me. Because you know I'm not a Bat fan. You know I'm not that guy. Now, you need... You, so the thing is, I'm thinking Batman gets in because Batman is the coordinator. Like, Batman does not turn up to the Justice League watchtower to go out on missions and go punch 
villains. What he's doing is getting in information, incorporating that data into his own personal network because that's what Batman does. But also just like, okay, these are the people that need to go here. This is the problem. This is how you. This is how, as Mission Control, you people will go save solve this problem. All right. Okay. Second, you need a strong person. You need you need a all purpose brick, and mm. I don't think it should be Superman. Mm. I think it should be Captain Marvel. I think it should be Billy Batson, Shazam, whatever they call him these days. He's still, he's still Shazam, but no, Shazam's good. Uh, anything else he's bringing besides being yeah. Shazam? He's bringing the wisdom of Solomon. Oh, yeah. Be- because this is the thing: the whole point of that character isn't just that he's a big, sincere, superpowered brick. He's also meant to have like a deep, intuitive insight into what's the right thing to do at any given time. Which means that when there's someone on the spot who needs to make the decision about moving or not moving something or, or doing or not doing a thing, if the strong person, the one who no one can force to do things is Shazam, then that's the person whose moral position is probably going to be the strongest and the safest. Superman can do this as well. Like, I'm a big believer in the fact that Superman stories should be about the idea that Superman can do the right thing, even when that's complicated. Even when we go, oh, but wouldn't it be hard? Um, but... I think that the other thing is that Superman is very much um, Superman's already over like as a cultural thing like everyone knows Superman Superman is great at everything Superman is well loved and I feel like that means that Superman was probably better off being independent of this Justice League on the other hand of course it's a Justice League there would eventually the second I hand this over to a second writer they'd be like well (laughs) Superman today right right obviously right um hmm Next up, Jade. Um, uh, uh, Alan Grant's daughter, right? This, uh, <laughs> the first Green Lantern's daughter. Yes. She has sort of generalized Green Lantern powers, doesn't she? But she's not actually a lantern. She has magic powers. Yeah, yeah she, she was a Green Lantern in The Outsiders, briefly. That was taken away from her. Then she became Grace Choi's girlfriend, and that was just a whole thing. But you, you, you pull her back up. You put her on the Green Lantern level, but you make it so that her thing is... I have Green Lantern powers, which I have inheritedly, but I'm not beholden to the Green Lantern's political structure of Space Cop, which means to say I get to live on Earth and I get to care about Earth and I get to use that kind of thoughtful power. I get that very flexible power and this has the side effect of bringing Jade up to a level that's more generally well-known because the whole point of the Green Lantern power set is any given character using the Green Lantern powers is going to have a reader who looks at it and goes... I can think of a better way to do this. So I think Jade would have more interesting huh. solutions to problems than would, uh, you know, Barry or whatever. Okay, so we're at three. You've got Batman, okay. Sh- Batman, Shazam, and Jade. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Whew. This, is actually, this is actually getting really tough now because I'm trying not to just leap to ridiculous powerhouses. Because I kind of feel like Martian Manhunter... Because he doesn't yeah. have somewhere else to be. He also fills a lot of Superman roles while not being <laughs> Superman, and also not fully stepping on Shazam's shoes. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. He 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 and Shazam have a similar plot, have a similar perspective in that both of them are as characters hanging around the edges of human society. One because he's alien, one because yeah. he's ten, and that means that as a character, he's going to have a different perspective on on a lot of different things um 
which which has as a you know as a sort of a side effect that means that they're always going to be approaching problems of like well we can just solve this easily if it's a big brute force problem but we need someone more thoughtful and that's why you've got batman to give them some guidance not that batman's perfect at this kind of stuff okay okay so we're that's that's what you got for manhunter all right so we got four that's what i got for manhunter all right (laughs) i'm i I, i'm actually kind of mad at myself because because like the i'm I'm kind of mad because i've looked at myself and realized that that strong guy role i could think of like so many of my characters so many of my favorite characters who i'd love to just say (laughs) oh yeah they could do it Because there's so many good options for ridiculously strong brick character once Superman steps aside. Yeah, DC's well, got a lot got of really good bricks. Like Everybody gets... <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine if I'd said Power Girl instead. Yeah, but no. So, <clears throat> we have... Uh... <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Barbara Gordon. <laughs> Just gonna... <laughs> See, see what I said about my general knowledge being much, so much more narrow as Oracle, or is she in it? But because she's Batgirl now. Yeah. No, no, no. Put put her in as Oracle, and I mean, really dumb before the new Fifty Two, ridiculous okay. power level, Bar- uh, Barbara Oracle, the the one who was okay. hijacking drones and power armor. Because I always thought that that was such a cool freaking thing to have a character who could do, which meant that. Like, the team goes into a location and suddenly, like, okay, what, what's Barbara doing today? Okay, okay, this this mecha is yeah. the thing that's coming around with that's us That's now, not that's a bad Barbara's pick. Doing. It's funny. It's a similar to some thoughts I have. But, but yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is, like, if I, if I really went from the hip, it would have been Wonder Woman, Vixen, Power Girl, Black Canary, <laughs> and I guess Batman is here, too. And that's not really like a. Re- There's not a lot of interesting dynamics there as much as if I no. try to actively think in terms we're, of like constructing a super team right with different yeah. powers and whatnot. Is that? Yeah, I, I think I've got to stop there at five though because I don't think that I can really meaningfully make a case for any of my other ones that I would want to add. Like, Power Girl's great. I would want to see. I would want to. I would want to read this comic with Power Girl in it. But I also don't think that she would meaningfully change things when right. you've also got Martian Manhunter and you've also got Shazam. So, th- there is the there is the weak floor entry point. Okay, well, what do you got? Off top, I'm going to a make the same decision as you and b cheat and say Batman, but because we have Batman, we get Oracle free because <laughs> she's <laughs> oh because oh, she's in his that. ear, she's in his ear, she's part of his process. Okay, <laughs> are you saying? Are you saying? That Oracle is one of Batman's <laughs> powers? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And for all the same things, all the same reasons you brought up, Fair. he's the tactician, he's the stealth. He's the one who's going to sneak in and steal things. He's the one who makes the plans. He's also the one who assembles this team. And as his picks, I would go, first of all, Superman, off top. I'm going to be really mainstream with that. Because he's fucking Superman. And yep. I feel like an A-list team should have all A-list yeah, characters. So... In terms of in terms of power and importance, yeah, but I will that... be making some side picks. So he has Superman, and he's Superman. He does Superman shit. Uh, he's also sort of broadly representative of the science fiction, but not science characters. So he would be the one to interface with the character, like the Flash, Firestorm, Martian Manhunter, that whole family. In the same way that Batman would have his ears to the streets, he would be connected to all the street level characters. He represents your naturals in general. Next is Wonder Woman. 
Boom. Right. Another easy choice. And she doesn't represent yep. magic. Yeah. She represents mythology. She's the one who, if we have a Zeus problem, she goes and talks to Zeus. And she also has that connection to Aquaman, um, Shazam, most of the new gods who are hanging around. Not the bad ones, but the ones who live on Earth. She's got that connection. And that's it for my mainstream yep. picks. Those yep. are the 50% old. And I'm going for seven. That's that... Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of your freebies. Like, if you'd said, uh, here are my five, and also you get one or Batman my, and Superman. I'm like, yeah, okay, Here's fine. my four... I'm not going to argue with picks. you. One of them, off top, Dr. Fate. Khalid Nassour. Because A, you need a magician. B, you need the most powerful magician you can get, or wizard you can get. But also, Dr. Fate can bring an interesting dynamic Fair. because he's Dr. Fate, and he doesn't always do things because they're right. He does things to maintain order. So there's very often I can see them like, Dr. Fate, we need you to help us avert this uh, hurricane. Oh, but that's the nature of things. Like, fuck you! Uh, Dr. Fate, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you, <laughs> talk to the Fate hand. Yeah, talk to the helmet, brother. But Yeah, and, and no, that, that works out really well. Like, I, I like... See, this, there, there's a reason you might notice that I keep saying things like people should just listen to Clay about superheroes. You're really good at this, all right? I, all right. I, like, your, I like your group already better than all right. mine. All right, and the next choice we have is the Adam, the new Adam, Ryan Choi. Because A, he's the scientist. He can do science. B, he's new, and he can be kind of like the Spider-Man. He's the young guy who doesn't quite know how to do things. But in modern context, the Adam has a fucking Iron Man suit. He can fly, he can shoot things, and he can shrink. So he can keep up, you know? And that also means that Batman is still that one guy with no powers. <laughs> yeah. Even Aside the fuck- from apparently Oracle. <laughs> okay. My, my, um, where are we at? One, two, three. You weren't expecting four. as much pushback as you're getting ready. <laughs> I told you I was cheating. See, Batman, Superman, one of them. Dot Fade, Adam. Okay. Those are our two, like, those are our two that who represent two opposite sides of things. The next two are more obvious. Uh, a Green Lantern, one of them. Uh, my pick would be, in this situation, it's hard. Because I want either, but not both, like right now, I would want either Simon Baz or Jessica Cruz. And I'm leaning towards Simon Baz just because Jessica Cruz still has that newbie thing going on. She's still working out all of her stuff. She still represents the kid in that way. Simon Baz is more established. And he also is the space connection. And even more importantly, he I would imagine that the Guardians would put him in that place say you are the green lantern of the justice league we have a green lantern of earth her name is jessica cruz we have three other human lanterns in your sector you just work with the justice league and if they fuck up you tell right us. you interface with us but also he's more human because like if you put an alien lantern in that role they probably act in a similar way to dr fate where they'd make decisions based- and, and you also kind of get a martian manhunter 2 effect yeah Exactly. But if you, and if you put some of the older ones, they might also be like, well, I would do this, but I'm beholden to Lantern Protocol 5, 7, 9, 10. Simon Bass is just new enough and just has just enough heart that he wouldn't give a shit. He would break the rules and do whatever's. He's not a criminal, but he has that mentality. He'll do the right thing based yeah. on his humanity. And yeah. the last choice. And that's actually the thing that superhero stories are right. about people doing the right, right. thing. It's and again, thing. he's a lantern, so if they have space problems, they need to talk to fucking, you know, you know, Adam Strange or deal with the Omega Men, they've got a lantern on deck. Because Superman's an alien, but he's not a space character. He has more in common with the no. Flash than Martian Manhunter. 
which is why the Flash is not on this yeah. team. He's redundant in two different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And finally, and I'm just being selfish and saying, I would put Hot Girl on this team. Primarily... Because you love yourself so Because I love Hot Girl, but also, she represents bullshit. And what I mean is... She... <laughs> <laughs> whenever they have to... Whenever they have to deal with the fucking multiverse, with time travel, with multiple cells, with all that shit that are complicating the Hawks, she's that pick. And she's the wild card with all the nth metal that disrupts things. She's that other one. So if you, if you as a reader come in and read this book, you're getting a little bit of the, you know, the natural street level character, a little bit of the big fancy adventure sci-fi character, a little bit of the mythology, a little bit of the supernatural magic, a little bit of sci-fi adventure, a little bit of space, opera, and comic book bullshit. She's the one who says multiverse yeah. and retcon and knows all the crises. Crises. She's the only one. She says things yeah. and nobody understands. She just look. I'm just, just do what I say and then let me hit it with the mace. Okay. Yeah. She she has she has a, a certain metatextual awareness. I, uh, that you know she she's the one who when she says retcon it actually has it, it's a mm-hmm. word with some meaning. And that's that would be my seven member Justice League, just like the original seventeen, but. Again, a lot of those other figures who were there, Flash, Martian Manhunter, Black Canary, Green Arrow, Aquaman, would be off doing other things, and they'd come in to intersect, but they wouldn't be on the team. It'd just be a thing. Yeah. They'd be ringers. And so, that's our Justice League. Yeah. What you got for your Avengers? Alright, so, my Avengers is a little easier. I know Marvel a little better. Um, and, And my Marvel picks, you know... If you know me, you're going to be a bit bored, but if you don't, well, odds are good you're not listening to this podcast, because that's how things work in these days. <laughs> anyway, um, so first up, Amadeus Cho. Okay. As Amadeus or as the Hulk? All right. Okay. As the Hulk. Um, I, I like I like the Hulk a lot, all right? And part of the reason why I like the Hulk is you know, there's this thing we get with representation in comics, and we talk about this a lot with the idea that everyone has um every everyone should have someone for them and this is something's been brewing in the back of my mind for a while now in that even when i look at comics and see white guys i don't see people like me and it's not just a matter of like i'm australian and comics are about americans it's also that i had such an odd upbringing and such a strange life in my childhood that i don't ever feel like i'm ever looking at someone who could connect to what i went through um, it's very rare for me to find any humans I can talk to about this. Um, but the Hulk and the anger have always resonated with me very powerfully, even though I know I've got nothing necessarily like what's going on with Bruce Banner. There's still something there that clicks with me. And then when I learned that they were replacing Bruce Banner with Amadeus Cho, there's, there's, there's something very beautiful about that to me, crystallizing that. That's sort of like a moment where someone can say, look, Amadeus Cho is representation for you, someone who isn't, again, like me. And yet the Hulk aspect of the character is something that I still very much connect to. So Amadeus Cho as Mm -hmm. the Hulk, all right? This is also in part because of the recent comic where Amadeus Cho used the metaphor of you're driving a car and the Hulk's in the back seat. And you think you've got control, but all you're really doing is steering where it's going. And you, you've got to keep, you've got to pay attention. You can't, it, it's not easy. So you have this character who has the, the Hulk somewhat under control, but not 
properly under control you have the strong character you have basically the blunt object that the avengers can airdrop on things when they really need a problem right. solved and oh i don't even remember how many are you going for with your avengers okay i was gonna go for another five okay because <laughs> i know fewer characters again um but i do but i but but i do still really love um the the marvel universe characters this and the the funny thing is that i keep thinking of characters who i'd want to include and they go no no they don't belong in the avengers they belong in a lower tier set they belong in a in a a less ridiculous set um so we're at amadeus hulk one yeah totally awesome hulk yes secondarily uh i would have riri uh iron man is that do they go by iron man right now iron heart iron heart you're right Ironheart as your all-purpose money sink. Not because she's rich, but because the idea that you'd then write a thing about how Stark Industries are now financing this through a blind trust. And this Avengers entity has access to money that it doesn't have spending money. It's not, let's go out and blow a hajillion dollars on shawarma because we're not going to pay the rent of this place for a week because we want to hide here for a couple of hours. But we have infrastructural wealth and support and supply, and that's coming from Stark Industries and that means you also get a really good in for Riri, who is, again, another character who is that whole representation intersection. And also she gets to have Tony with her as this big, like, her Jarvis oh, oh, is oh, Tony. Are you, are you implying that Tony is this... one of her superpowers? <laughs> yeah, except he can't actually do anything except bicker with her. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I you set them. the rules. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're standing here pointing at me going sir <laughs> sir i'm just reminding you how i cross you guys but continue so we got all right have a day so we got next up okay yeah so you've got money you've got a blunt on blunt object you also need a face someone who can stand up and be the image of the group and say hey i I represent the moral center of this group and I have a thing that this group is... I, I Basically, you need a Captain America. Yeah. So, Major Maple Leaf. I was thinking Captain Canuck, but he's not Marvel, actually. <laughs> no. And also, thank you for not laughing, because Major Maple Leaf fucking owns. <laughs> and for some reason, I'm, I'm, I know I'm doing this wrong, but I'm confusing him with... Um, uh, God, what's the guy? The other Canadian guy? Uh, North Star? Not North Star. He's got the red and white suit, and he's a he's a he's a he's a Alpha Flight character. What's his name? Yeah, yo, Major Maple Leaf is his replacement. Ah, okay. On a secondary on on a secondary Alpha. Okay. Flight. Um, and I and I believe that character is he's not North Star. Dang it! I, I've got the comic like a foot away from me right now, but because I'm on headphone tether, I can't grab it. Anyway, the the point is that uh, Major Maple Leaf is painfully stereotypically Canadianly nice. Mm. But the dude rides in to battle on an actual horse. It's kind of like a, the Black Knight. A little bit, but the thing is, he he's just nice. He's just a good person. He's an incredibly kind, giving, publicly open, honest and sincere person. He's also not powered. Mm. The horse is. And the horse is spending all of its superpowers like imbuing him with power because he's a good person. Just, he just has such a strong relationship with his horse. Yeah. And and there's also a history thing like how his dad was the original major maple leaf and his dad didn't respond well to being suddenly just someone's oh. dad. And so there's a whole uh family abuse angle there and that's that's quite dark and whatnot, but it's still thoughtful. And this is the thing. Like 
Major Maple Leaf's thing is he's nice. He's it's it's the same thing as you have with like the really good stories about Captain America, which touch on the point that Captain America at his core is a good person who was bequeathed powers because they said we need to make sure we give these powers to someone who isn't going to abuse them. Alright. So so I really like the idea of of bringing Major Maple Leaf forward and taking him seriously. Like you don't need the character is obviously created to be kind of funny, but you don't have to treat him like that's funny. Right. There's nothing. There doesn't have to be anything funny about a guy being kind. Okay. All right. So All we right. got three of five. Mm-hmm. And at this point, at, at this point, you've got you've got like the public tools. You've got the big blunt instrument. You've got the money coupled with the tech, coupled with like you know the the, the 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 steady hand kind of thing like even though Riri's young the point is that she represents oh look Stark Industries have invested in this this is okay this can be okay and then you've got a face character who can stand up and say alright look I've I've got this things are fine okay um the other thing that the Avengers usually have is a Thor but Thor is kind of a redundant I, I, I always feel Thor is a bit redundant mm. when you've got the Hulk like his whole thing is just he's he's really really strong and the moral barometer of the hammer is this kind of extra thing he can throw in is kind of cool, but it's not actually all that, like, interesting after a certain point. There are only so many stories you can do about, and then someone couldn't move the hammer. All right. So who would you put in Thor's slot? So this is, this is actually something of a tricky one for me, because I don't want to just be saying, all right, I want the new, cooler version of everything that's already <laughs> in the Avengers. Because, like, you know, we've replaced the Hulk with Amadeus, we've replaced uh, Iron Man with Riri, um, and we've replaced uh, Captain America with a character who was never cool, but is also newer than Captain America. Um, but I recently learned about the the current outcome of the mess with Evangeline. Angela. Sorry, Angela. Angela from, from uh, the Image Comics mess. And the fact that you have this... Uh, openly bisexual as guardian Thor's sister who's dating a trans woman. I kind of like the idea of involving her in it mostly because she has this she has an alien perspective on justice and she gets to work as a bridge between this group and the hinky Loki stuff that would inevitably happen but she's not Thor and Thor's like well he's my brother this complicates things and she could also go he's my brother but Angela doesn't give a shit. She she's not she's not actually going to uh to, to cause a um she's not going to do anything. The most about important things that. I remember, well, the biggest I don't say the most important, but the big things I remember about Angela was she used to like trade blows with Spawn. So I'm thinking of her pretty powerful, considering how ridiculous Spawn was. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in the current Marvel incarnation of her, she's off having Asgard adventures and like arm okay. wrestling with Thor. So, so we've got we've got uh, call Amadeus, that what you will. Riri, uh, Maple Leaf. Angela, you got one more. This is your, this is this is your big pick. I got one more, and just like you, I'm gonna cheat. Okay, all right, all right. You gave me one. I'll give you one. Captain Marvel. Which one? I I want to bring in um, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. specifically with a plot thread that was brought in and dropped very briefly. Very briefly, there was a talk about the idea of a story called Parole. All right. Do I you don't... by any chance remember Moonstone? Yes, the uh, the Thunderbolt. Was... Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Has energy powers and also is a psychologist. Psychiatrist. Yeah. M- Moonstone impersonated Captain Marvel for a while as Warbird. Uh, also when she was Miss Marvel. Mm. So what you do is you bring in Captain Marvel and on a leash she's got, quote unquote, Warbird, who is actually Moonstone, who is now being dragged along to basically do community service on a superpowered level, constantly under Carol's watchful eye. So you have this internal point of tension of someone in the group who is both a psychologist and very well informed about how criminals act and behave, but also not necessarily being properly cooperative. <laughs> On the other hand, if you put her in the same group as Bruce Banner, that you're going to get her, you're going to get a, a lot of Hulk outs at the wrong time. Right. Amadeus is a little smarter than that. He's not going to fall for the same mental tricks. You you do get a pair of blaster characters at that point because you've got Captain Marvel and you've got um, you've got Moonstone in the group, but that gives you um, a sort of a rounding out of it. And you know, technically goes up to six, but really you could have Moonstone drop in, drop out kind of thing on a regular basis, depending upon whether or not she's done something particularly fucky in the last story. Right. So yeah, that's my not that's my not quite five. My slightly more than five. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, I took eight. I mean, I just decided on seven and pretended I was doing it. So you you could have just said six. Yep. Uh, well, I thought I was going to go with five, but eh. yeah. Oh man, this is actually a little bit harder. I, I, this one I rolled around in my head a lot. Um, well, yeah, you're also you're also uh, your your DC set was also really good and really easy. Yeah. So <laughs> I can imagine this being harder by comparison. Right. Okay. So I know up front same thing of a certain amount of classics and a certain amount of alternative choices so i would put captain america up front as captain america not only that i would have him represent you know the connection to you know shield and the establishment and that and that interesting enough is where i feel the money and the authority would come from like these would be officially sanctioned uh avengers because i wouldn't have iron man in the second slot i'd have an ant-man i'd have hank pym again He's Hank Pym. He's going to bring all kind of bullshit into the equation. He's a dedicated scientist. He has a different skill set. You know, I'd have him in as um, Yellow Jacket just so he could be able to fly and shoot things and be more versatile. You and your pro-ant agenda. Pro-ant agenda. He's he's just fucking, he's a problem. You stick him in the middle of any narrative and he'll make things difficult. But he is the one who will science things. On the flip side of that... He wants somebody who would magic things. And this is where I got a little confusing. Because off top, I would say maybe uh, Doctor Strange. Because he's Doctor Strange. But I also don't like him. But (laughs) he's just got... He's just awful. You know that whole thing about how characters who need to be able to put shit down and come back and, and come to the story... Doctor Strange is the kind of story that occasionally goes, yes, and then I was in prison for 10 years. That's my deal. And those are my three sort of standard characters. The, um, yep. I'm doing seven because I like seven. And the other four would be uh, Monica Rambeau as Spectrum. And she's... Oh, right. of She's course. your Captain Marvel replacement. You know, and also she's a big powerful yeah. energy. She's got that space connection, but... She's not an alien, so she makes human decisions. Also, she was in the Avengers once. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Next wave jokes, cutting edge. Yeah, no. She, so she's got that in, and she can perform a leadership role where the others can't. Uh, the next one, you want a street level representative, but you don't 
like I don't want to use much of the heroes for higher family because I like them as a unit, and I don't want to use Spider Man because he's Spider Man. Yeah, so, he, he he needs to not be an Avenger so for a long time. So I'm kind of on the fence here, and I at the end of the day, I guess it would be Spider Woman, uh, Jessica. Eh, yeah, I guess Jessica Drew would go in there as a representative of the street level heroes, and also someone who can kind of hang. You know, next, yeah, I would put Rogue. Because, A, you want someone to represent the X-Men. And, B, you want someone who can represent the X-Men who, A, doesn't have a lot of shit. Like, she's she's not a leader like Cyclops or Storm. She's not very essential like some of the others. She's kind of in limbo. But she also very clearly represents what the X-Men is to about. Because she's got bullshit. She's got the whole absorption thing. She's an outcast. So she's there. And she's been on a Canny Avengers for a while now. So she fits. She's been doing it. And, so in a way, you also want Captain Marvel on your team. Kinda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's in the rain still. Pull that out every deep, once in a while. Deep cut. All right. That hasn't been true for twenty years. <laughs> and because I really don't like Hulks on teams, I put the thing. Reasonable. I put the thing as a stand-in because ain't nobody doing yeah. nothing with the with the Fantastic Four right now. But also, it's the thing. He's awesome. He's great and. Yeah, he is awesome and he's great. In the Fantastic Four. <laughs> I know, but they're they're split up right now. But also, yeah. while Jessica Drew represents street-level characters, she doesn't have a street-level character mentality. She's almost like Captain America in her approach. Ben Grimm is almost Luke Cage. Like, in terms of how he acts and thinks, he's almost that. Yeah, he's a Jewish Luke Cage. Yeah, and so, let me see, we got Captain America, Iron Man. I mean, not Iron Man. Captain America, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange... Uh, Monica Rambeau, Spider-Woman, The Thing. And the last choice is, I'm not entirely sure, because I know I want a cosmic space character in there to mix things up, and also to have that connection, but it's hard to pick. Yeah. That's a hard pick. I mean, the easy one would be Nova, because, again, it's similar to the Green Lantern. He can represent the Nova Force and have that role. I just don't know. You could always go binary. (laughs) <laughs> you just want you just want Captain Marvel in there again. <laughs> well, you've already put her on there. Nah, nah, nah. Um, you can have binary, and you can have Ca- Rogue, and therefore you can have Captain Marvel and the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. You know what? I'm gonna be weird. Let's say Robot Man. What, like Aaron Stack? Yes. No, that's yes. Yeah. Is it yes. Aaron Stack? Because he's got connections. He's got connections to cosmic characters. He was created by cosmic characters, but he's not a. Yeah, yeah, and they said he yeah, was shit. Yeah, he. You you have you have three next wave characters in your lineup. <laughs> now I'm not really mad about that because I fucking love next wave. But wow. the thing is, I was like, it's either going to be something weird. Or it's going to be Beta Ray Bill. Those are my choices for cosmic things. <laughs> and like all the other kinds of people are doing important things. What the fuck is Robot Man doing? Nothing aside from being in Agents of Hate. <laughs> so you put Robot Man in there, and a he's 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 that's the, amazing. The odd one, right? He's kind of and you know unhuman in his ways, and he'll probably have this weird intersection between Ben Grimm and Ant Man just because of their bullshit, you know. And I think that yeah. will be my really weird Avengers team. 
still, it sounds like it'd be cool, but at the same time, I'm never going to stop giving you guff about the fact that you decided what the Avengers really needs is multiple members <laughs> of Next Wave. Man. I like Next Wave too. <laughs> it's really funny. <clears throat> so yeah, that, that that's us showing our butts and, you know, for all that we talk about what we like in, in these kind of things, we figured it'd be fun to just do a thing where we tell you, this is what we'd put in a comic. And then give uh, each other grief. Hey, look, as long as... Is, if Tony Stark is a superpower, then Barbara Gordon is a superpower. <laughs> oh. Yep, yep, yep. You started it, though. That was your idea to start with. I'm like, oh, well, we're bolting on extra characters. Well, holy crap, I might as well do that. <laughs> I, I could see a way to do that. I, I, I like I like how you, you've brought in Next Wave and I'm just like the SJW version of the, the Avengers. <laughs> anyway, that was From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. Uh, we just wanted to thank you once again. That was Clay. And that, telling me, was one of my superpowers. Dang. <laughs> Ow. This guy you as the striker. <laughs> oh. Anyway, tune in next time when we're going to talk about Blade. <laughs> yup, yup. Y'all buy y'all pre-order Spirits of Vengeance. You don't have to like it, just do it for me. <laughs> <laughs>